Center. How is everybody on this beautiful Wednesday evening? Are we doing good tonight? Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord because it's really hot outside anyway. So, hey, come on into the AC. Yeah. Hey, we're going to have a really great time tonight getting into the word of God and, and worshiping. It's going to be a great night. But we're going to start things off uh, just like we always do by speaking some faith over the United States of America. Let's stand up together tonight. Amen. We're going to speak some faith over this nation because we're going to keep believing that our country is coming to Jesus. Amen. Say it together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. And you may be seated. All right, we got some announcements going on. Uh, it is going to be a busy September. Uh, we took a little bit of a time off in the summer, kind of didn't do a lot of events, but we got a lot going on uh, in September. First of all, I want to remind you that we now have children's ministry available for every age group on Wednesday nights. Amen. All the parents. Yeah, come on. Uh, so uh, every single age group from newborn babies all the way to seniors in high school, we've got something for them. And then adult care is provided too. So you guys can be blessed as well. Amen. Let's hear it for you guys. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. One, two. Uh, let's see. Saturday is the men's meeting. So men, we want to see you at 9 a.m. I did uh, that PowerPoint's all screwed up. I'm sorry. <laughs> so uh, 9 a.m. Saturday is the men's meeting breakfast Bibles and bros. So be here, my brothers, and we're going to have a great time uh, fellowship and studying the word together. Uh, next thing I want to remind you is there's no 6 p.m. service on Labor Day weekend. So that's this Sunday night. There's not going to be any Sunday night service. So, uh, you know, have a good time celebrating with your family and relaxing a little bit. Uh, the the women's meeting is coming up on Friday, September the 8th. Ladies, are you ready? I got to say, uh, that was a little weak. I'm not trying to be mean. Um, we'll get, but we believe in redemption. So here's your second chance. Ladies, who's excited for the women's meeting? Oh, wow. That was cool. Uh, it's going to be 6.30 in Victory Hall. It is the fall kickoff. Uh, so you're going to have a great time. Mrs. Pastor will be uh, leading the meeting uh, that time. They got back from New York last night, but they're uh, just catching up on a little jet lag. So they're not here tonight. But you'll see them Sunday. Amen. Uh, okay, married people, we've got your event coming up on Friday, September 15th from 6.30 to 8.30. Amen. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, it's, it's okay. You can be excited. Excited about this too. Uh, it's going to be 6:30 to 8:30. Child care is provided, totally free. But if you could register at hdwc.org/married, that will uh, let us know how many kids are coming. 
And then uh, we're doing a little anonymous survey um, about maybe some of the future topics you'd like to hear about uh, in the marriage ministry. So there's a QR code there. Uh, it's on the info booth. We put it on social media on Tuesday also. So click the link on there. It's like two questions. Uh, but we're just trying to gather some information because our goal is to provide you and help you with the tools to have a very successful, strong Christian marriage. Who knows that that's a pretty good thing. Amen. Uh, for us. So we want that. Okay. Here's a new one. The family life picnic is coming up again on Monday, September 18th. Yeah, it's going to be from 530 to sunset at the H street park. So that's Monday, the 18th. Just everybody come out, bring a little food to share and uh, we'll have a really good time uh, doing that together. Amen. Well, that's all the announcements for right now. So who knows what time it is? Yep. It's happy time, amen. You're like, well, what's that? Well, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. So we get really happy when we are able to give. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. Yeah. Hey, the ushers are even excited. What a night. Wow. If we can get the ushers to get excited. It's like raising raising Lazarus from the dead. We're in good shape. That's a joke. It's a joke, Robert. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Okay. Let's look at our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to be in the New King James here, Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. And if you're given online, you can go to hdwc.org slash given. And so we're going to look here at a few verses that Jesus uh, gave to us here. These are some of the words in red. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. And Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And so, you know, man, any treasure you lay up here on earth, anything, uh, it's going to rust away someday. A thief could steal it. All these things, moths could come eat it. I mean, that's weird, but it could happen. All right. Verse 20, Jesus said, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where you're your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so Jesus said where our treasure is, where our finances is, where we are willing to put our money, that is where our heart is. And you know, sometimes you look at someone that may spend tons of money on sports or on some other hobby and you're like, why do they do that? Well, that's where their heart is. Don't blame, don't get mad at them. That's where their heart is. And then some people would look at us and be like, well, why do you give so much to the poor? Why do you give so much to the missionaries? Why do you give so much to church? And the answer is that's where our heart is. Amen. It's not rocket science. And so where your heart is, you have got no problem at all investing in that. And so let's skip down here to verse 24. And Jesus said it right here. He said, no one can serve two masters for he will either hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. He says, you cannot serve God and mammon or the modern word is money. You can't serve God and money at the same time because money is going to say, hey, come over here and it'll lead you away sometimes from the things of God. And when you're serving God, he's going to say, hey, come over here. I've got something even better for you. But if you're so in love with money, you'll say no to God. And that's not a good spot to be in. And so we're telling you right now that you cannot serve both God 
and money. And so that's why, hey, I've got no problem at all being a giver. I've got no problem at all being a tither because Jesus done got a hold of my heart. Can someone say amen tonight? Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to stop because the sermon's later and we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. So let's stand up together and we're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings this evening. And remember that we don't just do this because we've got nothing better to do. We speak these words of faith and we mean them. So let's say it together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. As you drop off your tithes and offerings, feel free to join us at the altar for praise and worship, and let's sing to the Lord together. Through the darkness, a wasting away. My soul was cold and hopeless, dead in the grave. Like a river of life in a dry land, like a flicker of sight to a blind man, I saw the glorious light. As it broken, God of mercy and might, oh, you brought me back to life. You're the Lord of light, shining in the dark. You're the source of life, beating in my heart. You're the living hope, you're the risen Christ. You restore my soul, oh, you brought me back to life. brilliance of your glory awakens my soul. You give me grace and mercy. I give you control. Like a river of life in a trident, like a flicker of sight to a blind man, I saw the glorious light it broken God of mercy and might oh you brought me back to life you're the Lord of light shining in the dark you're the source of life beating in my heart you're the living hope you're the risen Christ you restore my soul oh you brought me back to The 
brilliance of your glory awakens my soul. You give me grace and mercy. I give you control. Like a river of life in a dry land. Like a flicker of sight to a blind man. I saw the glorious light as it broke in. God of mercy and might.
know the night won't last that your word will come to pass and my heart will sing your praise again and Jesus you're still enough keep me within your We'll sing your praise again. Your promise still stands, and great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, and this is my confidence that you never failed me still stands and great is your faithfulness faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence that you never failed me
Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give the Lord some praise tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He's never failed us, has he? There's never been a moment that he's failed us. And hey, if we're being honest, there's been times we've failed him. But praise God, his mercies are new every morning. Amen. He gives us a new chance at it. And I just, I love our Lord. He is so good to us. And so, Jesus, we love you. We reverence you tonight. And we ask that you would have your way in this service. May your word have free course. I thank you that we have soft hearts, our ears are open to hear your word. And I believe that as we receive it tonight, we will never be the same. We ask for you to change us tonight, Lord. We do not want to stay the same. We want fixed. We want changed. And we want to be more and more like you every day. And so we ask you tonight, have your way in this service in the name of Jesus. Can everybody say amen tonight? Amen. All right. Well, do me a favor and find somebody. Give them a nice high five or a fist bump or something. Come on. Amen. Very good. Very good. I said a handshake. What's with the hugs? My gosh. People are crazy. No, I'm kidding. We, I love you. Hug away. You're fine. All right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, we're going to get into the word tonight. Before we do that, um, all of the children that were with us for worship, um, the older kids, they can head on out to their class. Miss Summer is back there at the lobby. And so they can be dismissed to their class. So um, again, we've got children's ministry available for all ages on Wednesdays now. And uh, some of the older kids still like to worship with us. So we're letting them stay in here for worship and then go to their class. So anyway, they're dismissed right now uh, to their class. Okay, so tonight to get into the word, I'm going to kind of piggyback off of a verse that we touched on on Sunday, and I just really felt the Lord leading me in this direction. So the title tonight of the sermon is Signs of Being Lukewarm, Signs of Being Lukewarm, and uh, you know... It, in case you didn't haven't read the scripture, that's not a good thing. You don't want to be lukewarm. So uh, we're going to get into the to the word here on this, and uh, it's just a, this is going to be a, an opportunity to to check ourselves and and uh, make sure that we are uh, you know where we need to be that we're we're still uh, as as on fire for God as we're supposed to be. So we're going to open up tonight uh, by going to the book of Revelation chapter three, Revelation three. Amen. The very last book in the Bible, <laughs> Revelation chapter three. Yes. And we're going to look here at verses 15 through 16. And uh, what we've got here is in the book of Revelation. Uh, the Lord uh, had seven letters to seven different churches. And this particular church uh, is called the church of Laodicea. It was in an area called Laodicea. And in each of these letters that the Lord delivered, he had some instructions for them on uh, some corrections they needed to make, or maybe uh, even some encouragement for things they were doing well. But here's what the Lord had to say to this church at Laodicea. Revelation 3 and verse 15, he says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. 
And, you know, that's not a very encouraging verse. That's not something that everybody wants to hear and, you know, gets up and runs around the church about. But this is something for us to really examine and take into consideration that, that Jesus said a, a, a lukewarm Christian is like taking a, a, a glass of lukewarm water. And I don't know about you, but, you know, it's, imagine it's a day like today. It's 108 degrees outside in Barstow and you're hot, you're sweaty, you come in and I get it that you may not want totally ice cold water, but I'll tell you this. Have you ever had a water bottle that's just been sitting in the summer car all day? You go to take a drink of that. What I mean, Hey, I will spit that out. Amen. That is gross. It does nobody any good. And so Jesus is saying, man, lukewarm water. It just, you, you, it doesn't serve any purpose. And we talked about this a little bit on Sunday, but you know, boiling water, you can cook with cold water. You can refresh yourself with lukewarm water. I mean, it's useless. You can't do anything with that. And Jesus said, it, 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 it just, it makes me want to throw up. It makes, I, I, I got to spit that out of my mouth. And in the message Bible, it's a paraphrase, but I, I, I like a little bit the way it words it here. Jesus says, I know you inside and out and find little to my liking. You're not cold. You're not hot. Far better to be either cold or hot. You're stale. You're stagnant. You make me want to vomit. And again, this, this is not, doesn't sound encouraging, but we're going to get somewhere with this. And, 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 and Jesus has very strong words regarding a lukewarm Christian. And I asked the Lord one day, honestly, I'm like, I don't get it, Jesus. Why would you rather someone be cold than lukewarm? Isn't a lukewarm Christian better than a, a cold Christian? And I asked the honestly, as an honest question on my part, because no one's ever told me the answer to this. And so I asked the Lord, and I feel I got some answers on it. And I wasn't planning on preaching that tonight, but, but, but here's what I can tell you about a, a lukewarm Christian. Why is it worse to be lukewarm than just ice cold for God? Well, a lukewarm Christian is very dangerous. They're dangerous, number one, to themselves. They're a danger to themselves because they think that they've got it all together. And I've never, you know, if you ask anybody that claims to be a Christian, hardly anybody's going to say, oh man, I am just, I'm lukewarm or I'm ice cold, you know? And so they think that they've really got something. If the devil attacks, they think, oh yeah, I'm ready, man. I, I, I know the Bible. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And, and, and the book of James says, well, even the demons know some scripture, but <laughs> they don't do them any good. And so listen, a lukewarm Christian, they think that they're ready for the attack when the enemy comes. But I'm telling you, they're not ready. They have a false sense of security. A lukewarm Christian has a false sense of security and then the enemy comes and they never saw it coming and then they get mowed down and they're in a bad spot. Uh, lukewarm Christians are also a danger to the other Christians, I believe, because uh, it's like being in the army, right? When the enemy attacks, you expect your fellow soldier to have your back. You know, the enemy's coming like, well, at least I could call on Amy for some prayer. My God, thank God she's there. But But let's just say she's not. She's on fire for God, but let's just pretend that she wasn't. And so the enemy's attacking, and I think that I ha- that she's got my back, and I can call on her, but she's lukewarm. And I, hey, can you can you help me out here? Can you lift me up? And like, huh? What? You know, she's not ready. 
All right? And another reason that a lukewarm Christian is far worse than an ice-cold Christian is because they're a terrible representative to the rest of the world of what Christianity is all about. They're hypocritical. Uh, they're I'm sounding so harsh. They're two-faced. They're half-baked. They're wannabes. And so they'll, in church, they know how to say amen because that's what we do, especially at this church, right? Uh, so, all right. And so, but listen, they know how to say the right words inside of these four walls. Then they go out to Fort Irwin and act like a complete heathen. They go down to Santa Fe and they're doing the exact same things that all these guys are doing. And then, yeah, I go to High Desert Word Center, man. And, 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 and so when somebody thinks, man, that's how High Desert Word Center is. Oh my gosh. What do they preach down there? That preacher must be a nut. Don't answer that question. Don't. Do not. Now listen to me. You guys, man, you gotta get it together. So, they're, they're, they're dangerous because they think, well, if that's what Christianity is like, why do I need to, tra- I'm better off than that right now. And so, Jesus is not down with lukewarm Christianity. You need to be all in or uh, all out. Yeah, but, but, but this trying to, to have one foot in, one foot out, it's not cutting it. And I'm telling you now that it's the end times and Jesus is coming soon and you want to be ready. You want to be ready, man. There's no time for playing this nonsense. You got to be all in. Amen. And so uh, let's get into the word here tonight. We're going to look at a few signs of being lukewarm. And this is a good opportunity to, I don't know, check yourself, to judge yourself. And, and that's a totally biblical thing to do. We're told to examine and judge ourselves. And so let's look at a few signs here of being a lukewarm Christian. Number one, God gets your leftovers. Yeah, God gets your leftovers. And so uh, we're going to flip over to Matthew 6, 33. I mean, a lot of you know this verse already. But listen, a lukewarm Christian will give God, they're, they're fine to give God some of their time as long as it doesn't take away from football or I don't know, whatever it is you do, you know, as, as long as they've got leftover time, like I'd be glad to give God an hour on Sunday, as long as it fits into my schedule and it doesn't interfere with my real priorities, then I've got no problem. Sure. God can have an hour of my time. And, and so, uh, you know, well, yeah, I, I know I need to read my Bible. I know I need to pray and I'm, I'm fine to do that. As long as I've got five minutes at the end of the day, I'll give him what's left. Now, to some of you guys, you're like, I'd never do that. But to a lukewarm Christian, they're like, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Why can't anybody get this? And so if you're on fire for God, he does not get whatever you've got left over. He gets first shot at you and everything else gets what's left over. So Matthew 6, verse 33, Jesus said, but seek first. Somebody say first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. And so a lot of times we think, well, yeah, if, but if I did this, if I gave Jesus first shot at my time, if I, if I gave up this for Jesus or for church or for more Bible time or for prayer or for serving, then I'm going to miss out on life. And Jesus says, it's just the exact opposite. You, you seek me first. I'll see to it that you get all of these things. And if you were to read back to the previous verses, he's talking about the food you need, the clothing you need, the money you need, the provision you need. He's like, 
I'll give it to you. It'll be added to you. I'll just straight give it to you if you'll just seek me first. And so a lukewarm Christian, make no mistake, they've got no problem giving God some time as long as it fits in after everything else. And that's not a good spot to be. And if you're in love with somebody, do they just get your leftover time? No, they get first shot. I remember when Pastor Katie and I were dating, I could only talk to her for a few minutes a day. We went to separate high schools and uh, I didn't have a cell phone because I was poor <laughs> and uh, she had one. And so my, our, the job though, uh, so I, I went to school, you know, all day and then I had uh, basketball practice and then I walked over to work to fry chicken over there, the, the chicken restaurant. And so she had to be off the phone by 10. And she had a dad that wasn't joking. He meant 10. Amen. And so the restaurant closed at nine and, and, and I had to get a ride home from somebody, but I'm telling you right now, don't tell me I don't love that girl because I would do anything to get out of that restaurant. And I would do everybody's job. We had to close and then clean. I was cleaning the kitchen. I was cleaning the front. I was scrubbing the toilets. I did everything just to get out the door so I could get home by 945 and have 15 minutes with her. Listen, I'm not going to share that part of the story right now. Okay? <laughs> My siblings are wanting the other part. I'm not going to go there. Not. I, don't, it's, it's, I don't have time, but it's a good story. I, I'll get to that some other time. Amen. So, but listen, listen, uh, but I would do, I, I mean, I was desperate. I would do anything just so I could have 15 minutes to talk on the phone. And that sounds crazy to some people until you're in love. And to some of you guys, you know, people like, hey, can you go do this? Man, you know what? I'm going to spend some time in the Word tonight. They think that sounds crazy, but to us, that doesn't sound crazy. I get that. Or someone would say, hey, we got tickets to this, but it's on Sunday. And you know, you know what? I, I appreciate it. I don't want to miss church this week. And they're like, you're crazy. Call it what you want. I'm in love. I'm in love with Jesus. I'm in love with the house of God. I'm in love with the word of God and with the people of God. And so to some people, it doesn't make any sense. But I'm telling you right now, man, it makes sense when you're on fire for God. You'll do anything to have a few minutes to talk to him, won't you? Anybody? You remember that? Amen. Were you in love at one point? Or are you still in love? I'm not going to. All right, whatever. Okay. So ladies, let, let's just, let's imagine this. We're talking about leftovers here. Uh, so uh, th- I don't know, this, this came to me and I, I wrote it down. <laughs> imagine your man tells you he has a special evening for you. Ladies, woo, all, right, all right. Dinner, gifts, a date. I mean, you're all excited. And, and you're excited because you love him and you want time with him. And so imagine it's time for dinner. <sighs> He picks you up, and instead of going to a nice restaurant, you get in the car, and you park in the Food for Less parking lot. Amen? And so, this is a story. It's fictitional. All right? And, and he pulls out a half-eaten sandwich and a bag of open chips. You're like, okay. And, and he says, hey, this is leftover from my lunch at work. I thought we could eat this together for dinner tonight. And, uh, and you know, you're thinking, well, at least there's a gift coming. And, and, and so after a while, he pulls out an old greasy screwdriver from, you know, behind the seat. And he's like, you know, I don't use this one much anymore. So you could have, you, you go ahead, you could have it. And, and you're like, wow, <laughs> man, okay. And, 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 and so it's not getting any better. And, and, and really, 
at the end, he, you know, you, you, you go home, all right, and, and, and he sits down, puts his feet up on the couch, and turns on one of his old favorite movies, and that's just the end of the night. Ladies, would you feel loved at that point? Would you feel... Doug, talk to me, man. <laughs> talk to me, man. I'll help you. All right. So, but imagine after all. So imagine, though, just imagine all this happened. You were treated to an evening of complete leftovers. He didn't give you his best. He didn't give you his second best. He gave you just whatever he could come up with. Would you feel like you were number one in his life. No, of course you wouldn't. Because actions speak louder than words. And if that's his idea of being number one, I would hate to see number two. Amen? And so think about that, though. How do we treat Jesus when we're like, you know what? Yeah, you got a few extra bucks. I got I got a little extra time. I got a little, you know, you know. Okay, yeah, sure, we'll fit it in. Do you think Jesus feels like number one? When he is only gets your leftovers, that's how a lukewarm Christian lives. He gets, Jesus gets the leftovers. He is not number one. And again, that moves you into a dangerous zone of thinking, you know, that you're just all in incredibly strong faith wise. And then the enemy attacks and we're picking up the pieces afterwards. Number two. Amen. Who's having a good time? Wow. Number two. Sin doesn't bother you. Sin doesn't bother you. Don't you? No, don't talk about sin. People don't like to hear about that. Well, let's, let's go there for a few minutes at least. So as a lukewarm Christian, sin doesn't bother you. And so let's look at Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13. Proverbs 8 and verse 13. We're going to get somewhere tonight. So Proverbs chapter 8, and we're going to look here at verse 13. And so as a lukewarm Christian... Sin just it does not bother you anymore. And the reason for that is you've got a calloused heart. And when you get a callous, you don't feel things anymore. You know, whenever, whenever I first started playing guitar, uh, you, I get these just, I mean, painful calluses on the fingertips. And anytime I'm teaching someone how to play guitar, they get these painful calluses because they're not used to this. And after a while, though, they get so used to it that the pain goes away and it doesn't bother them anymore. And it's kind of the same way with sin. If you've been on fire for God, when you start dipping your toe in that, you know, get, getting closer and, and getting involved with that, you're like, oh, man, oh, I does not feel good. I don't know about that. But the more you just give in and ignore the Holy Spirit talking, the more you just push through the pain of what it's doing to you, after a while... You don't even feel it anymore. And that's the danger of getting too close to that. So Proverbs 8 and verse 13, it says, All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. And so right there, it tells us that someone who actually fears God absolutely hates evil. And that sounds like a harsh thing, especially in, in our 
ultra sensitive 2023 minds, but it's the absolute word of God. And most people don't know what it means to fear God. And I'm not going to go into that deep discussion tonight, but when you fear God, you have so much honor and respect and reverence for him that you don't want to do anything that would hurt his heart. You fear him and, 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 and you respect him to that level. And so anybody that really, really fears God, respects God, has a deep reverence for God, they hate evil. Now, it goes without saying that we don't hate a single person on this planet. And I can say that with a clear conscience. I mean that. There's not one single person in this world that I could say that I hate. If I said it, I would be lying. And that's the truth. I don't hate anybody. And, and you know, there's some people I prefer more than others, but that's okay. I don't hate anybody at all. But the truth of the matter is there's some very evil things that take place in this world that I hate it. And it's not because I'm full of hate. It's the, 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 the Jesus on the inside of me absolutely can't stand some of the things that we say that we see taking place in the world these days. And so Here's a quick way to do a checkup. Who wants to do a checkup from the neck up? Okay. All right. So are there things that used to bother you to watch on TV or on your phone that don't bother you anymore? Is there things that, I mean, when you were just super on fire for God, you'd see them like, oh, oh man, get that off of there. But now you're like, it doesn't bother you anymore. Danger zone. All right. Are there words that used to bother you to say? That don't bother you anymore. It did at first, but you pushed through it, and now it just you, it, you say these things, and it doesn't bother you anymore. Another question: What kind of music do you listen to these days? Doing a checkup, all right. Oh, what kind of stuff do you laugh at these days? Can, 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 is somebody totally comfortable coming up to you at work and telling a? foul joke, a racist joke, a hate-filled joke, and, and you can just sit there and, and, and either laugh at it or at least not say anything at all. The scary part is they feel comfortable enough to say that to you. Man, it got quiet in here all of a sudden, dude. Y'all were like yelling earlier, man. What happened? So, again, we don't. there's not a person in the world we hate, but there's some things that we need to check ourselves up on. First John 3, 8. I, I think you'll like this verse. You'll, you'll like this one. First John 3, 8. Let's go. First John 3 and verse 8. First John 3 and verse 8. I'm getting to the last part of it, but the first part sure is helpful too. It says, but when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. Now, here's what I want to get at out of this right here. But the Son of God, who, who's the Son of God? Jesus. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus literally came to destroy the works of the devil. Why is that? Because Jesus hates what the works of the devil do to people. He hates it. And, and, and he's so passionate about it that he came to planet Earth to save us. 
and to destroy the works of the devil. Because when I get too comfortable playing along the slippery riverbank, after a while, man, you slip in and then you get washed away down, you know, down the river. And Jesus loves us enough that he came to destroy the works of the devil. And that is sin. There's a lot of works of the devil. There's, there's sin. There's physical, you know, he wants to make you sick. He wants to make you poor. He wants to make you depressed. He wants to steal your kids. There's all sorts of things he wants. Those are works of the devil, but you need to know that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And that's why as a Christian, I gotta, I, I gotta hate sin. I, I gotta want nothing to do with it because it'll take me to places that I don't want to go. It'll take you where you, further than you wanted to go. It'll cost you more than you wanted to pay and it'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And so when it comes to this, man, we gotta, we gotta, hey, if you fear God, you gotta stiff arm some of that stuff. All right. Anyway, that could be a whole other sermon, but I want to get to number three here talking about signs of being lukewarm. Number three, you're often offended. Like, didn't we just talk about this? Dude, I talk about this like every couple weeks. What? <laughs> I was thinking about that. What, what, I include love and not being offended in sermons as often as I can because as a pastor, I've decided that I don't want a bunch of sissy snowflake Christians on my hands. And so it's super important. Wait, we said that out loud. So it, it's important to me that... We avoid being offended because offense is a dangerous, dangerous thing. And we can't get anything done for Jesus with lukewarm, soft, offended Christians. And the truth of the matter is, is that people do very offensive things to all of us every day, right? I mean, I've had plenty of chances just today to be offended, but we choose not to because I don't want to go there. It's going to put me in bondage to the enemy, and I know it's going to it's going to cost me something. And so I know this much: I've never met a mature, on fire for God Christian that goes around getting offended all the time. I haven't. Every rock solid, mature, on fire for God Christian that's actually doing something for God, they are not sitting around being offended at people all the time with soft, sensitive feelings. In fact, I'll say this, that most of the mature, on-fire Christians I know have highly offensive things done and said to them all the time. They just choose to ignore it and move on. Wait, you can do that? Yeah, it's possible. I'm teaching my children this because I don't want them to be little sissies when they grow up and get offended all the time. And so my kid, you know, hey, she said this. I'm like, you do. And this may good, be good for all of us to hear. You understand that not every comment made to you has to have a response. Did you? It's true. Just because someone says something mean to me, I don't have to respond to it. I can absolutely ignore it. I have that right. Just because somebody does something mean to me, I don't have to respond to it. And I'm trying to get the kids to understand this, but this is good information for everybody. I have every right in the world to just totally ignore rude things that are said and done to me. And I do it. And it's great. I love it. It's awesome. Because if I'm so caught up worrying about what you said to me, then I'm certainly not thinking about what Jesus said about me. 
And if I'm so caught up worrying about, man, how could I get him back? I swear, man. I have, if, I'm, if I'm all caught up in that, I'm certainly not thinking about, man, how could I reach this person over here that's lost and hurting and they need help? I'm not helping anybody. I'm, I'm too focused on revenge and hurting people. And so as Christians, revenge is not an idea that we practice on this planet. I got that from Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story. Amen. <laughs> Toy Story one. He he said it when they were at the gas under the car. So listen, but it's true. Revenge. That's not a. That is not in our vocabulary. I don't need to pay you back, because if you don't get things right, Jesus will do it anyway. According to Romans chapter twelve, he said, "Vengeance is mine," says the Lord. And so I don't. I don't. I don't care about that. But I know this much: that lukewarm Christians, they're very offended. All the time. They, and, and, and it's just an awful thing to look at because they can't ever get anything done for God. And so here's the verse that I always use. Uh, Psalm 119 verse 165 in the King James. Psalm 119 and verse 165. Who's heard this verse in here before? It's a great verse. That's why we keep using it. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Psalm 119 verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law. This is talking about the law, the word of God, and nothing shall offend them. And nothing shall offend them. I love this. When I love the word of God, there's all sorts of great benefits. I have great peace according to this scripture. And also according to this scripture, I'm virtually unoffendable. And I, I, I love that. It's like an insulation for your soul. Uh, if you love the word of God, it just absolutely does something for you. And so when you become obsessed with what other people think of you, you're going to care less and less about what God thinks about you. But when you're obsessed with what God is saying about you, when you're obsessed with his word, you care less and less about what other people think and say about you. And that's the absolute truth of the matter. And, um, uh, okay, yeah. So Kenneth Hagin, you know, we talk about him a lot, Brother Kenneth Hagin. Uh, he had a lot of critics, a lot of people that came at him hard. But I love something he said. Someone was like, well, what about this? He said, listen, if they accused me of killing my own grandma, I wouldn't even take the time to stop and deny it. Like, I don't give the haters any time. You know, I'm not even going to stop and deny it or, or acknowledge that, man. I'm just moving forward with Jesus. Amen. And so when you're on fire for God, man, you do not go around getting offended all the time. You've got bigger and greater things to handle. And so choose to not be offended. And you can do that because I figured it, I, you know, I, I did it. I did it. And, and I used to get offended about stuff, but it reminds me of Again, probably not the best example that I could use, but there's this episode of Seinfeld from a long time ago, right? And so he's got this, uh, he, there was a guy that he beat in a foot race on the playground when they were in elementary school. Well, this guy shows up as an adult and it's like, I can beat you now. Let's get out there and race and I'll prove it. And all, the, all Seinfeld says is, I choose not to run. I cho-, and people are like, you can't do that. He's like, yeah. I choose not to run. And so people can come into your life as an adult, mature Christian and do offensive things and poke at you and expect a response. And I found out I've literally said this. I choose to not be offended. You can do that? Yes, you can do this. It's incredible. And so say that with me. 
I choose to not be offended. Now say it like you mean it. I choose to not be offended. What if someone comes up by the end of this evening and does something offensive to you? Can you actually do that? Yeah, you can. You can do that. And it's an incredibly liberating experience, especially when somebody was trying to make you mad and then they found out that they can't. Ooh, that's fun. That's good stuff. Amen. That's a good thing. All right. Well, we better move forward. We better move forward. Number four. Number four. Last but not least, if you're lukewarm, you look to the world for help before you do God. A lukewarm Christian will look to the world for help before they look to God for help. And that's a sad thing to, to, to witness. And I, we've, we've all been in that spot. But I want to show you how seriously God takes that. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. And so it's a, this is just it's such a big thing right here. If you hear bad news and your first thought is not going straight to God with it, you might be a lukewarm Christian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, if you get bad news and your first thought is, what am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? How can they handle this? You might be a lukewarm Christian. Because when bad news comes, my first thought should be, okay, Lord, I'm coming to you in prayer right now in the name of Jesus. I'm taking authority over this situation and speaking life into it. But option A for the Christian is always going to the Lord. And if you find yourself in a spot where you're no longer doing that, then, hey, it's time to examine some things. So... Uh, here, here's what it says in the book of Isaiah uh, regarding going back to Egypt for your help. And that's what, uh, that's what Isaiah compared it to. So Isaiah chapter 30, verses 1 through 5, it says, What sorrow awaits my rebellious children, says the Lord. You make plans that are contrary to mine. You make alliances not directed by my spirit, thus piling up your sins. Well, what does that mean? You're making alliances you're teaming up with. You're hooking up with ungodly people. And then wondering why, you know, every relationship fails or why things, you know, everything crumbles all the time. Well, you've got some wrong alliances. Verse two, for without consulting me, you have gone down to Egypt for help. Egypt. You have put your trust in Pharaoh's protection. You've tried to hide in his shade. What a slap to God to go straight to his enemies for help. How rude, how offensive, how insulting. The same people that held you in bondage and now we're going back to them for help before we go to God for help? What an insult. Verse 3, but by trusting Pharaoh, you'll be humiliated. And by depending on him, you'll be disgraced. For though his power extends to Zoan and his officials have arrived in Hanes, not the underwear, okay, I know some of you thought that. Verse 5, And all who trust in him will be ashamed. He will not help you. Instead, he will disgrace you. And, 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 and that whole 
picture there is Egypt held God's people in slavery for 400 years. And then they get out there following God. And sure, there's, hey, even as a Christian, sometimes we face some difficulties. Have you noticed that? Sometimes there's still some things that happen. But the thing is, we run to God. And and, and, and a lukewarm Christian or somebody that's forgotten where they came from, listen, trouble comes And instead of running to the arms of Jesus, they run right back to get help from Egypt. That's awful. If I've got marriage trouble, listen, I'm not going to run to somebody that's not even a Christian and ask them to give me relationship advice. Are you kidding me? If I've got money trouble... I'm not going to go to, I'm not going to go to an unsaved person for, for counsel with money. If I've got, I mean, I'm just serious right now. I'm, I'm not going, and, and this may sound so extreme, but Psalm chapter one, write it down. Psalm chapter one. <laughs> it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates in it day and night. And so it tells us, listen, it is not godly to go to this world for the help that we're supposed to be getting from God. And so I've always heard, you know, this old story we we kind of make fun of, but seriously, think about it. So there's these two old guys, they're old Christian guys, good old boys. They're out fishing in their boat and it springs a leak. And so they try to patch it one way. They try to do another way. They try to, to, you know, scoop water out. They try everything. And one of the guys says, Hey, do you think we ought to pray? We're Christians. And the other old boy says, has it come to that? And the idea is they tried everything before they prayed and prayer was, has it come to that? You mean we're going to actually have to take this to God? Don't laugh because I know a lot of people and I've been in that spot where trouble comes and we try every which way to fix it in our own understanding, in our own strength, in our own ability. We try everything we know and then it comes down to, oh man, I'm, I think I'm going to have to pray about this. Has it come to that? That should have been option A. Not the final, last resort, Hail Mary, we need a 90-yard touchdown at the end of the game. And just, no, listen. It should have been the absolute number one resort. Because, listen, when we go to lost people for directions, we just get more lost. You ever considered that? One time when Josh and I, Pastor Josh and I were teenagers, my grandpa asked us to go pick up something for him. I don't even know, it was a piece of furniture or something in this little hillbilly town out in the middle of Indiana. And so he gives us directions on a napkin or something. And we're like, thanks, you know, wadded it up and threw it. And, and so we get down to this town and, and we, we forgot all, we forgot we even had directions at that point. And so we pull up and we know we're looking for, a, you know, a certain place. So we pull into town. There's this old guy sitting in a, in a lawn chair in the middle of his yard, chewing on a piece of straw. And we're like, hey, man, uh, do you know how to get here? He's like, yeah, you, you, go down, uh, you go down there and turn right when you get to Catfish's house. We're like, who's Catfish? You'll know him when you see him. We're like, okay. So we go down. Sure enough, 
there's another old hillbilly sitting out there with a great big mustache. And we're like, catfish! Found the man! And so, anyway, we, we, so we get down there and then we get lost. So we get, hey, catfish, can you tell us how? He's like, it's he, this is, by the way, this is not a fictional story, is it? It's a real story. And so he's like, oh, shucks. No, 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 you, you should have turned left when he got over there to Moose's house. We're like, who's Moose? Who's Moose? And so anyway, we find Moose's house and then, and then he's like, yeah, you go down there by the old oak tree and you hang a left when you see the broken down fence and you'll see, you know, Billy Bob standing in the front yard. That's where you're going. And so here's the deal. We got there and Billy Bob wasn't even there. And so we were lost and we finally get back to grandpa's original directions and got right there. And, and what, you know, that sounds crazy, but listen, listen, listen. We had the whole time, in the beginning, we had the right way there, but we thought that we had to go asking everybody in town what we ought to do. And it sounds funny, but hey, how many in here, you had the written directions the whole time. But you had to go to your cousin, you had to go to little Bobby, you had to go to your mom, you had to go to everybody trying to get their opinion, their advice, and you got more lost than you were in the first place. What is that? Well, it's a sign of being lukewarm. And so, are we here to make fun of that? Are we here to ridicule it? No, we're not here to do that. But what we are here to do is to say, hey... Let's make some adjustments. Let's get back where we need to be with the Lord. Because he said, I'd rather you be cold or hot than lukewarm. And so let's eliminate lukewarm off of the list. And now let's take a look and say, that leaves cold and hot. Which is the better option for the Christian, cold or hot? Hot, absolutely. No, no, No question about it. And so... If you want to be hot for God, man, this isn't even rocket science, but hey, open this thing. Open it. When you have time. No, every day, man. If you don't have time, you make the time. Come to this house of worship if you don't have any other plans that weekend and, and the river shut down and, and Disneyland is not, you know, no. You make it a priority. And when you begin to do these things, it starts fanning the flame in your heart. And guess what? The devil comes knocking and saying, I'm going to huff and I'm going to puff and I'm going to blow your house down. And you don't go running in a circle saying, no, the devil attacked. What are we going to do? No, you answer with the word of God and you win every single time someone should say amen tonight. Amen. All right, let's stand up together. Let's stand up. Amen. We better close down. We better close it down tonight. All right. (laughs) Amen. I love Wednesday nights. Do you like Wednesday nights? All right. Well, I'm going to have Pastor Josh lead us in a little bit of worship here. And I'm going to have my prayer team come on up. But if you're here tonight... And, uh, and you, you're here and you're in need of prayer, man. That's exactly what we do. You came to the right place at the right time. And we want to release our faith with you tonight. But even bigger than that, I want to give you the chance tonight that uh, if, if all this sounds, you know, like, wow, that, that, that sounds powerful. Listen, none of it is going to work. None of it's going to make any sense if you don't have a right relationship with Jesus. 
And so that's the biggest thing that we could offer to you tonight. And I want to, I want to lead us in a prayer tonight. If you're here and, and you, you don't really have a, a relationship with the Lord. Maybe you did at one point and you kind of let go and walked away. Well, hey, we're here to, to, to lead you back. Or maybe you're here and you've just never really uh, had that. Well, tonight's the night that we can fix that. Uh, we're told that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I'd like to lead us in a prayer together tonight. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? And I'd like you to pray this with me. Amen. Let's say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died and that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. Give me the strength to live for you. My life is yours. Make me a new person. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's hear it for Jesus tonight, man. Yeah. Amen. Well, hey, if, if you're here and you prayed that tonight and you'd like a little bit further uh, help, a little bit further mentoring with this, this is Jose right over here raising his hand. If after the service here or even right now, if you would give him your name and number, what we'd like to do is get you a little more information and hook you up with what we call a spiritual personal trainer. And they'll uh, be here for the next 30 days to text you every day, to pray for you, to answer any questions you have, to kind of be a mentor, to help you get started on your faith journey. So that's exactly what we want to offer you tonight. Amen. If you're here and you need prayer at all, uh, this is your chance. We'd love for you to come forward and receive prayer. If not, Pastor Josh is going to lead us in worship for just a minute tonight. I know the night won't last. Your word will come to pass. My heart will sing your praise again. Jesus, you're still enough to keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. Your promise still stands, and great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. Still in your hands And this is my confidence That you never failed me Your promise still stands And great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence never failed me I've seen you move you move the mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again you made a way where there was no way and I believe I'll see you do it again I've seen you move you move the mountains believe I'll see you do it again you made a way where there was no way and I believe I'll see you do it again
your faithfulness, faithfulness, still in your hands, and this is my confidence that you never failed me. Your promise still stands, and great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. in your hands and this is my confidence that you never failed me I've seen you move you move the mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again you made a way where there was no way and I believe I'll see you do it again. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe. I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way. And I believe. I'll see you do it again. I'll see you do it again. still stands and great is your faithfulness your faithfulness I'm still in your hands and this is my confidence that you never failed me your promise still stands and great is your faithfulness your faithfulness Still in your hands, this is my confidence that you never failed me. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way, and I believe I'll see you do it.
you move the mountains I believe I'll see you do it again You made a way Where there was no way And I believe I'll see you do it again I've seen you move You move the mountains And I believe I'll see you do it again Where there was no way And I believe I'll see you do it again See you do it again still stands and great is your faithfulness your faithfulness I'm still in your hands and this is my confidence you never failed me close things out tonight. want to remind you that men's meeting is Saturday at 9 a.m. in Victory Hall. So men, be right there. It's going to be great. Sunday, it is Labor Day weekend, but hey, it's going to be a, a great service at church. So let's be here and have a great time together. There's no PM service that night, so be here in the morning and it's just going to be awesome. All right, let's go ahead, close out in prayer. Then we'll do our Barstow Faith Confession. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the word of God tonight. And I thank you, Jesus, that we're taking it to heart. We refuse to be lukewarm Christians. We want to be on fire for you, Lord, especially in these end times. We want to be as close to you as we can. And so I thank you, Jesus, that we are being doers of the word that we heard tonight. And uh, we're giving you all the glory, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Can someone say amen? All right, let's speak some words of faith over Barstow tonight. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.